This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The Scent Gods. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord Rescue Travel Protection. Thank you, David Fox, for that introduction. Before we get into today's campfire, we have a special anniversary, if you will, or a special event coming up here toward the very beginning of July. We are going to be doing our 100th episode of what started out as DSC's Untamed Heritage, which has now become DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. To commemorate this, I'm going to give away one of my custom knives. These are very limited edition. They have my name inscribed upon the blade. The scales of this particular knife that we're giving away is made from the horn of a buffalo that I shot in Australia. Now all you have to do to enter the drawing is to go to my Instagram page. That is at Larry Wysoon Outdoors and there leave a comment as to anything having to do with DSC's campfires and uh, we'll get you entered and then we'll draw a name on the 5th of July. The 5th of July then we'll be in touch with you right after that. So wish you the very best and thank you for joining us all these many episodes and then about time now that we got into the one that we got set up for you today. Absolutely excited this morning to have Mr. Corey Mason around our DSC campfire. Corey, we're in some interesting times. I know you just got back from a really important meeting. Tell me a little bit about what kind of occurred there and how that might relate to things particularly going on here in North America. You bet, Larry. Thanks for having me on. It's always great to be with you and spend some time with you. Uh, so we did. So about a week and a half ago, just returning from CITES standing committee meetings, which that may be sort of like speaking Greek to many of our hunters, anglers, friends here on the podcast. But it's a but it's a very important group uh, from an international standpoint. Uh, and most importantly, it's very important from a 
are most relevant associated with a, 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 an oversight or regulatory authority. Um, by that, it means uh, species is classifications, the ability to legally trade in these species, uh, and the ability for hunters and anglers, uh, hunters specifically, and I should also say from the flora side, there's a very whole significant component that we won't even touch on today, but it affects a whole other side of the industry. For mm-hmm. example, from a, a violin industry or whatever it yes, could be. Yes, uh, yes, And so, so yes, there were a number of items discussed, uh, and we had the typical foes on the uh, attending the meeting as well. You know, uh, organizations such as Humane Society, Center for Biological Diversity, Born Free, uh, IFAL, those kind of organizations that are vehemently opposed to our way of life. And to break that down, our way of life being the support of legal regulated hunting that we have seen across the globe support and also sustain millions and millions and millions of acres of wildlife habitat associated with that, being game and non-game species. And so we see these adversaries that are so opposed to hunting that they are willing to deal, except the consequences and the negative consequences, to all species and all habitats. It's a very short-sighted view, uh, but it's a very self-serving view in which those organizations work. And so we, as long with, uh, with a number of our partner organizations, such as like Conservation Force and some of our international partners in Europe, work very closely together to move the concepts of sustainable use and, again, the support of legal regulated hunting forward uh, in the midst of very strong opposition. It's interesting times. I mean that in, in an almost a negative manner at this time. But uh, tell me, I know some of the species we've been affected by or have been affected by everything that's going on, particularly across the water. But there's some things that are starting to hit closer to home. There are. That's exactly right. There's sort of two aspects to that. Is Number one, uh, the hunting community very ashamedly is very apathetic. And I don't mean that to be critical. You no, know, no. But it's, it's true. It's just a fact. It's just it's a fact. True. You know, and by that, to break that down a little bit, what I mean is that if someone, say, for example, just an elk hunter, unfortunately, that hunter base is not concerned with what might happen to the, to the East Coast waterfowl hunter. And if someone uh, likes to hunt with dogs, they're not concerned about dove hunters uh, or regulations that could affect them. And if we kind of ratchet that up to a global scale, domestic hunters may not be concerned about something that happens in Canada with blackberry imports or whatever it might be and the ability to self-determine the outcomes of your country's wildlife management policies and practices. And now we take that around the globe even further and we look at uh, management practices and threats to conservation practices in a place like Africa. What really is ground zero from the animal rights organizations, that's where they set up shop. That's where they not only have staff on the ground working very closely to make themselves relevant and known and seen with, say, for example, Zimbabwe National Parks. They have staff there, but they also send a lot of dollars there, again, to be relevant, to be known. But yet at the same time, they're slowly, slowly eroding the edge away and trying to remove the ability and rights of those sovereign nations to manage their species the way they feel best for their people and their wildlife. Um, and unfortunately, we see policies in Washington, D.C. doing some of the same things. Now, again, I use Africa as an example, but at the same time in these meetings as we're preparing for upcoming uh, standing, excuse me, animal committee meetings coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, as well as the IUCN World Congress that's coming up in September, some of the species that are going to be discussed there for consideration or for further evaluation are species like black bear. And so this isn't some foreign species in a distant land. 
this is something uh, in many states of the listeners that are going to be listening to this podcast. And so those are the kinds of species. And when people think things like wolves and mountain lions aren't in the crosshairs, uh, they're just they're just naive to the global discussion that's taking place and the threats that are at this point imminent to the hunting community. And so it's it's just highly important. It's imperative that organizations such as DSC are in this space and we're defending uh, sustainable use and legal regulated hunting as a conservation tool. And I'm the first to admit it's not always the best tool for every situation. But in most situations with these kinds of species, it has been clearly demonstrated to be the conservation tool that is not only conserved the species, but far beyond that in hundreds of other associated species that live in the same habitat. And that conservation of that habitat is obviously imperative to, you know, infinite species of herptiles, to amphibians, to birds, et cetera, et cetera, as, as we know. So uh, the threat is both direct and indirect at the same time. So how do we counteract some of this? Or how do we hit some of it off? How can we become perhaps a, a, a little bit more offensive than being defensive in these things? Absolutely. And that's where we've been trying to work very purposefully on, on two fronts. Uh, trying to inform our membership base at DSC through action alerts uh, when it comes to the legislative side specifically. Uh, engage people of, hey, this is a piece of legislation. If you're a resident in, say, Kansas, Here's something that's coming across your state legislature. It's something you either need to support or you need to oppose. And here's three sentences that you should send to your state contact. Um, and again, for the same for the federal level and obviously many other states across the country. So to inform and engage and hopefully create DSC members and turn them into ambassadors and ultimately advocates for sustainable use, an informed advocate. That's our desire on that side. And the other side is what these conservation organizations, including DSC, are working to do so much better. And that's to have a, a coalition of like-minded organizations. And again, a, a number of those are organizations like Conservation Force, Wild Sheep Foundation, in which DSC and some of our international partners like CIC and FACE have, have had a number of preparatory calls to this point, preparing again for these large international forums or symposiums in which international policy is shaped, formed, and ultimately solidified in which the United States is a party to. So they must essentially adhere to or use as a governance at that point. Um, and so from that point, we are working on the front end very strategically to be prepared on the, uh, you know, again, on the front end to be prepared for what may come at that point or what we do not, not may, what is coming, I should say, <laughs> right, more right. realistically. Uh, and so we sort of have some industry sort of, I don't want to say behind the scenes, but from an organizational perspective in which, our members should know that we're advocating on their behalf to do and working with like-minded organizations, uh, and we're blessed to have a number of those. But many organizations in North America, unfortunately, don't operate at that international level. And I don't say that again critically, it's just a point of fact. Um, and our hope is, is I, I obviously have a lot of conversations with my fellow executive directors of these other organizations and say, hey, Joe or Sally or whatever the name is there is, have you considered being an IUCN member? Because we could really use you, and we'd like to support you as an organization, number one, help you become a member of IUCN, which is not an easy task. No. And then number two, we would like your voice to help amplify our coalitions of sustainable use organizations' voice to reach a broader audience and have a stronger voice every time. And so it's getting organizations in North America also to realize that their voice is important on an international stage. And people may naively, again, think that, the issues we're working on aren't relevant. 
It's absolutely false doctrine because everything that happens at like an IUC and a recites determines policy all the way down to the national level in every country across the globe. So what's really needed is kind of a grassroots revival, maybe more so than anything else. Well said. That's right. To where we get the more people involved, the more organizations that can become involved. Again, it's it's an education thing too, and it's just getting people to understand what's really going on. It really is, and it's and again, it's uh, it's to move past apathy to think that as a as a again say a Texas deer hunter, uh, which the strength in the Texas deer hunter cannot be uh, underestimated. I mean, the ability of the, the the number of deer hunters in Texas to think if they rally around an issue, how strong they can be at the Texas Capitol or even organized to organize and to reach into other states from a from a letter writing or a, a calling perspective. The same can be applied to Kansas pheasant hunters or Illinois duck hunters or fill in the blank at that point, you know, uh, Florida gator hunters, whatever. The point is, is we as a hunter base in the broadest sense of the term, we have to understand the attack that is on hunting. It's very active and it's very present around the world and it's very active and present right here in North America. And when these organizations that are working in places like Asia and rural communities, and when they're working in rural communities in like Africa, and when they when they reach the, the definition success and they start sort of moving camps and start moving their next target and next target, it, it's here. It's it's Canada. It's Alaska. It's it's the Western United States. You know, we really need to look no further than what happened in Colorado just a few months ago. What I call ballot box biology, where we saw. A, a citizen-based petition come to the Game and Fish Department in Colorado, and it passed, where now the Game and Fish in Colorado has to develop a plan to restore wolves on the western slope in Colorado. The Game and Fish Agency had zero input into this. It is not managing resources based on the North American model. It's not science-based. That's adherently wrong to what we've seen in North America be successful. And so we don't have to look very far to see the challenges and it would be naive to think the same couldn't be applied and forced in on us in New Mexico and et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like a, a huge battle where you're dealing with the, your foe and it's very unified and there's and we're a little camp over here and we're a little camp over here and we're fighting for yep. this little camp rather than creating a unified front to head off again and become more aggressive in all this. And we're going to have to become more aggressive the way that I see it because if we don't, it, it, it'll be lost. That's exactly right. And the animal rights organizations are well-funded and they're well-organized. Yes. And I gave one example recently at a DSC board meeting where I looked at one particular organization, and I'm not going to name the name. It's irrelevant. But the point is, is when we looked at their staffing, they have 54 attorneys on staff. Oh, my gracious. And so their strategy is pretty easy to see, right? Yes. To litigate and sue and sue and sue and to create chaos around a game and fish agency or fish and wildlife service or whatever it might be. Uh, and to then make those associations or more specifically department or agencies then take a defensive posture where then before they move something forward, then that, that agency is afraid of thinking, well, we're just going to get sued over this. We shouldn't move it forward. Well, then they've won, right? They've already won. The animal rights organizations have won. Uh, but at the same time, it is the battle is far from lost. Oh, absolutely. We have the ability to rally together as a community, and we are making great strides. We swatted some very significant things down um, a, a week and a half ago at the uh, standing committee meetings, and we we are going with a with a battle axe and a shield as we move into the animals committee meetings in a couple of weeks, uh, with some very specific challenges and threats that we have already worked towards, work around in ways that we're gonna we're gonna challenge and then threaten what they're trying to move forward, and so 
but we have to be we have to look at it as a we win or we perish type mentality. Uh, in the hunting community, the strength of it is is, is immense. Uh, and if we rally around these points and we do so collectively, we are a force to deal with. How do we start bringing all the, you've already started obviously, but how do we continue to bring these organizations large and small? Because there's a lot of like, take for instance in Texas, there's a lot of little wildlife such as uh, the uh, uh, the communities that band together and set up a management program on yeah. the entirety of it. How do we get even those folks involved in all this? That's it. And, you know, so so this is going to sound a little simple, but it's very basic of how we build those blocks and put them together. We're not at ground zero. We're maybe at step 10 of 100, but we're working the right direction. It's for those organizations, number one, to have a voice and sort of raise their hand and say, hey, give me a call, you know, and say, hey, DSC, send an email to me or send an, send an email to Texas Wildlife Association or those very credible organizations that are in this battle together, shoulder to shoulder, and say, what can we do to help? We're not asking organizations and people to come join us or pay a membership due. That's not the point of this conversation. The point of this conversation is, is let's organize well. Let's organize sharply and let's be a force. Let's sort of lock arms and let's move forward together. And so to galvanize the community is what we need to do. And that starts with people essentially sort of raising their hand, if you will, and saying, how do we get in this fight with you? Contact us and we'll, we'll put you in the game. It's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, it's going to take that kind of thing. It, 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 there is some immediacy in all this as well, too. Like you said, it's not a lost, it's not a lost cause. Not at all. But if we don't get in the battle right now, and to me, there's so many different ways to do that as well, too. You mentioned contacting legislators. I'm, I'm very much involved here in Texas for a long time with TWA, and, yep. and very simply, a lot of times, it takes a grand total of maybe maybe 90 seconds to mm-hmm. type something out yep. and to send it to your legislator or your your congressman or your senator, both on a state basis and also on a national basis. And that really makes a difference, doesn't it? It makes a huge difference, Larry. Thank you for bringing that point up. And it can be a phone call. It can be an email. And the email does not have to be this, uh, no, you know, no. this really eloquent three-page thing. I mean, literally, it is I so-and-so living at X county ask, urge you to support or oppose this piece of legislation. And maybe one sentence why. I mean, we're talking a three-sentence declaration of your opposition or your support of this potential piece of legislation as it's being considered, it's to, to your representative, your congressman, to a, uh, you know, a committee chair, whatever it might be, a, a phone call, and that's it. And, and again, from a DSC standpoint, we remain active in all of these you know, state and federal places. And so and many times we're sending action alerts, and they can be self-populated where you click on a button within the email and it says contact your, your local representative. Yes. And it's actually doing much of that work for you and it's yes. identifying who it is. And those three sentences are written in there, and you add your name, and you click Submit, and it's done. But the importance of that, again, to your point, I'd say eight-second act, it cannot be overemphasized. It makes a huge difference. I think you're, well, I know you're exactly right. I met with several legislators here in Texas, a couple of uh, Texas senators for Texas, and a couple of representatives past week in uh, Brenham. And that was one of the questions I asked. I said, how much... Do you need to hear from us in terms of numbers to influence you? And it's a relatively small number that will influence a legislator based upon just what you mentioned. And it's so easy to do. And, of course, through DSC and other organizations as well, too, yep. you can do that so very quickly. And it's, all it takes is just a matter of moments to say, I oppose bill for 
House bill or Senate bill, whatever it is, you don't even have to name it and say for yep. this reason. And uh, it makes a tremendous amount of difference with those folks. It does. And because, you know, they're spread very thin and our elected officials are working on our behalf. And we, we ask people to contact all the time. And if it's, a, if it's an opposition or if it's support, to do so very respectfully uh, yes. and to appreciate the position in which they're in. They're being pulled by different constituent bases always provided in a professional manner, if it's a phone call or an email, uh, and respect the fact that maybe they strongly agree with you or maybe they strongly disagree with you, and that's okay. That's their job. Yes. Make your voice heard because your voice is just as important as anybody else that they're representing. Do so respectfully, and they will listen to you. I noticed one of the things, too. A lot of times I'll find a certain senator or certain House representative that really does a great job and I'll send him an email or even a handwritten letter sometimes that says thank you so much for your support of House bill or Senate bill and that to me makes an awful lot of difference as well too based on what they tell me afterwards because I run into them every once in a while hopefully at a hunting camp somewhere but but it really does don't always be the guy that's screaming and hollering and fussing also be complimentary when you have the opportunity to do so that's a great point and on the back end no one when when a legislature said made a yay vote that maybe was a was a hard vote for them to make supporting a particular issue maybe it was a party line vote whatever it could be but to thank them on the back end because they don't get a lot of those no, uh, no. and they're working on your behalf and they're working a job that's very difficult uh, and so to be willing to say thank you on the back end as well is very important and not that you do it for this reason but you also have the opportunity to sort of make a friend at the same time you do. And I'd rather have more friends out there than I want to have somebody <laughs> right. against me. And, and it, those are such little things that you can do and yep. really to say thank you. But again, it takes no time at all. There are so many sources. That if you don't know who your representative is or your senator is, you can find out with a very minimum type yep. of thing. And tell them what you think and tell them thank you as well, too. Corey, I think we're going to shut it off right here. Uh, we've got a campfire breakfast we need, need to attend <laughs> here in just a little bit. But I want to come back with you a little bit later and hopefully today and for another podcast. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that are coming up with DSC specifically beyond some of the things we're doing on a national and international basis. Sounds great. Thank you, Larry. Look forward to everybody joining us right back here next week on DSC's Campfires. Thank you all for being with us. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The scent gods. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord Rescue Travel Protection. <laughs>